2: Power blackouts, they happen every year, but guess what blackouts, you've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half-day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to goalzero.com to learn more.
3: Hi everyone, welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi everyone. Well, Mara, this podcast marks our one-year anniversary of doing Dishing with Digest. Amazing. Did you did you get me anything? Uh, yes, the pleasure of my company is that is that returnable
0: does that come with the gift receipt no no no. I can. I will not. take the pleasure of your company any old day well, thank you
3: very much our first podcast began with discussing the 45th annual daytime Emmy Awards and here we are discussing the 46th annual Daytime Emmy Awards. The list of nominees has been released and it's a great mix of new and familiar faces. So I did mention that I really wanted to see Days' as Drake Hogeston there. Unfortunately, he did not make the cut. But his scene partner, Martha Madison, who plays Belle, did in the supporting actress category. And speaking of Days, not only did they get the most nominations of any soap, they made a little history with both Marcy Miller and Kate Mancy getting nominated for the same role, which is Abigail. And Actually, Billy Flynn and Tyler Christopher, the other two actors in their story, are also in contention.
0: Well, it was also a good year to be tied to the Corinthos clan on General Hospital uh, with Maurice Bernard, Laura Wright, Max Gale, Dominic Zampronia, and Eden McCoy all making the cut. I had said how much I had hoped to see John Lindstrom's name on that list, and I am really thrilled uh, that his name was indeed there. Oh, yeah, me and too. I'm so happy for for Dominic, who had some really standout scenes before he left the show last year. Uh in the role of Dante, in the Nathan Death storyline. But I was really bummed for Kirsten Storms in that same storyline. Oh, so was I. I mean, she really
3: deserved it and just did such great work. And how much fun would it have been to actually have Kirsten in the same category as Martha Madison, who... Played Bell on days after she did. That
0: would absolutely have been cute. Um, well, one of the most impactful stories I think last year on any show was the death of Hillary on YR. I was so, so pleased to see both Brighton James and Michelle Morgan nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, though I have to say that I was surprised that so many of the pre-nominated performers in the JT storyline uh, did not make the cut. Oh, here, here, I, I really expected to see Amelia Heinle mm-hmm. or Sharon Case or Thad Luckinbill
3: there. It that was probably the biggest shocker for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being B has both Heather Tom, a five time winner, and Jacqueline McInnes Wood in the lead actress category. But I'm also really shocked that those are the only two there besides Wayne Brady in the guest category. I mean, Scott Clifton could always be in the mix, as could Darren Brooks, and they're both past winners. Um, But this year's winners will be announced on May 5th at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium in Pasadena, California. And you and I will both be there to see it all unfold. Can't wait. And, of course, the Emmys aren't the only big news this week. YR is filming its farewell to both Christoph St. John and his character, Neil. They're actually killing off Neil, which will, of course, bring back his on-screen brother, Shamar Moore, as Malcolm. And the show is actually going to do a tribute show like they did for Gene Cooper, um, where, you know, it's just the actors talking about Christoph. And we'll see Victoria Rowell, who played Drusilla, uh, Michelle Morgan, Eileen Davidson, and more back as part of that one.
0: I think doing a tribute show is such a beautiful way to help both the cast and the audience kind of process and find closure. Uh, When an actor passes away... From one of these shows without the ability to shoot a farewell scene for the character they play, you know, particularly when it's someone whose on screen roots are as deeply planted as Kristoff's were as Neil, it's hard for viewers. Jeannie mm-hmm. um, Cooper obviously was an icon. She deserved that hour honoring her. And Kristoff is also very much an icon and deserving of this. Oh,
3: I totally agree. Um, you know, I think though that Neil dying is going to be so gutting like so close to Kristoff's actual death and I just can't imagine what it must be like for the actors to be playing out scenes that are really so close to home and mirroring you know I imagine what they're going through in real life coping with his loss you know it's one thing when it's an older actor and maybe it's more expected but when it's someone as young as Kristoff was I feel you're dealing with a whole other set of emotions and devastation
0: Uh, I I agree and I shudder to think about you know what everyone is going through while you were uh, talking I thought about Jane Elliott talking about shooting the death of Edward shortly after John Engle passed away she said it was like really close to home for her Mm -hmm. I think it's hard under any circumstances but to your point you know he had been ill for a while this was a you know came as such a shock so we'll obviously all really be tuning in to, to see how that is handled on the show. I will buy you extra tissues. <laughs> you're know going, you're you're a crier. <laughs> going to have to, for sure. So not only do we have the scoop on those YNR returns in the new issue, but we have Matt Cohen addressing his recent exit from GH's Griffin. Mm-hmm. Um, the through line of the conversation that I had with him, I think, is that he really expects to be back one day. Um, he sort of was burned out and wanted to challenge himself, doing some other things. Um, but he's super appreciative that the writer, the writers, rather left uh, things open ended for his character's possible comeback. And he said that he really does not view this as saying goodbye to the show forever. Well, I think that will make the fans very happy as well um, it's a great
3: read and fans of his should definitely pick it up to see what he has to say um, so our guest today has been a familiar soap face since 1982 when she joined the cast of young and restless as Tracy Abbott it's Beth Maitland who was also nominated for a daytime Emmy and I hear has a fantastic reel um, so fun fact she is the first actor from Y&R to ever win an Emmy which was for supporting actress back in 1985 so let's get her on the phone to get. Get her reaction to this year's nomination and all things Abbott.
1: Hi, Beth. Hi, Stephanie. How are you?
3: Good. Thank you so much for joining us. And Absolutely. So first of all, warmest congratulations on your very well-deserved Emmy nomination.
1: Oh, I thank you so much. What a surprise and what a fantastic gift.
3: Well, I imagine it's very exciting no matter how many times it happens. Tell us <laughs> how you got the
1: news. Um, Actually, my friend, Maddie Kane, our uh, public relations expert here at The Young and the Restless, he, um, I was working that day and I was on stage and we were doing a really long day and um, he found me and gave me the news and it was, I think, uh, within minutes of it being released and uh, as he did with other nominees. And I think it's just the most fun way to find out that you know that, you know, tick, 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 your phone's going to ring, your phone's going to ring, or It's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like so many things being an actor it's going to ring or it's not <laughs> and it did but, <laughs> but it did and um, this is my first time back in the arena after 34 years absence um, I um, it was 1985 the last time I was nominated and then won which I'm so grateful for um, but it, I have not been nominated since so there were um, other things coming and going not storylines that lent, lent themselves to this and being a supporting actor that's sort of a big part of it. It's not your shining moments that you are nominated for. It's how you support other storylines, other characters and their journeys. And so um, it, it wasn't there was a flurry of Colleen dying about maybe 10 or so years ago in the story of my daughter in the storyline. Um, but that was more leading actress material. But I didn't have. The whole year of of story to um, have something to actually submit in a different category. So waiting and waiting, and I never thought this day would come again. And boy, it sure did! Wow. So what what does it mean to you? So it's been nearly thirty five years since your first win
0: to be in yes. the running again.
1: Well, um, it, it's it's incredibly. I'm, I'm I'm incredibly grateful. It was a, a really. Surprising year, you know, with, uh, I again didn't, I wasn't in a whole bunch. But as the year was going by, I had three, especially three beautiful episodes. There was an episode involving um, dedicating a scholarship in my daughter Colleen's name mm-hmm. uh, at a reunion and a lovely speech that was very emotional and heartfelt and involved a whole bunch of other characters in what was going on. That was fantastic. And then there was, um, another, so, I, so I put a little dog ear on that one and put the number down in my little file and said, you know, if something happens, that's a good, that's a good one, even for a demo tape, and then um, and then another episode a few months later uh, when when we revisited the Abbott children uh, um, and the Abbott family as young people taking place in the I th- want to say seventies, um, and and we see it sort of through Tracy's eyes. Um, Tracy sort of is describing this to the family in an effort to shake them awake and remind Jack and Ashley how they got. Their competitive nature and why the the their relationship is crumbling. This is how we started. This is what you need to uh, forgive. And so there was a particular day when, uh, so Tracy is sort of narrating all of these flashbacks to when they were young and sort of tells them off and says, "You know what? You guys have been uh, mean to each other. You have been disrespectful, dishonest, and this is not Daddy's legacy." And so there was a lovely uh, set of scenes around that. So I dog-eared that one and put it in my file, and then the fall came, <laughs> yeah. and, um, and there were uh, some uh, fantastic scenes also about oh, uh, the whole Dina, our mother, and her um, Alzheimer illness. It keeps, you know, it, it sometimes goes on for years, and, it, and this particular batch of uh, scenes I had pulled um, had to do with how it affects the caregivers, the people around her taking care of her. I was the first one she didn't remember and the pain of that and you know saying mother i'm your uh, it's me tracy your daughter and her saying i don't have a daughter named tracy and how she always remembers the other children but she doesn't i'm the first one and she's and she's dissolving before our eyes this this woman our mother who finally came back to make amends before that could even happen, she's disappearing, and so there was a lovely bit about that. So um, I actually had earmarked a few things, thinking, you know, if anything were to happen, or if I need a new demo for my acting reel, or if I'm auditioning for something, I put this little these little marks. And oh my goodness, look what happened!
3: I mean, it really was such a an a rich year of story for you and yeah. those scenes are just so standout. I mean of course Mara and I are sitting here nodding. We remember those episodes <laughs> so well. Um, did like what does it mean to you that you did get such amazing story to play?
1: Well it like I said, it as a supporting actress, which I have always been, and as sort of a I'm not I'm not the one that everything's focused on. I'm the one that's in the background. I'm there for the funeral, for the wedding, for the birthday party. I'm there being, you know, the godmother to the twins. And I, I'm the one that's sort of in the background. And this it was just um, a, a, an amazing, rich, odd <laughs> uh, thing to, to be supporting everybody else's story. All of these other characters and to still get this meaty, big stuff to play, these, these speeches and these, and these big scenes driving it, um, it, it, um, it, it means everything. You know, that's what, what's why we all bring our A-game every day. It's, it's what you hold your breath for as an actor, to be given, unless they write it, it's not there for you you know you can you, you you can act your your pants off and dance all around it but unless there's something to do it's disruptive it's not you know it's not appropriate so so this just happened to be the year and i ah oh, so grateful and and so appreciative that um you know some kind of sometimes things come full circle sometimes you get it back
0: did you, you know, having made the pre-nomination list, I feel like there was a lot of buzz around you. I don't know if any of that reached <laughs> your ears, but did you, how did you feel about your chances of, of making it to the next cut?
1: Well, you know, I, I felt they were pretty good because of, like I said, because of the material. Because although it wasn't a key storyline for me specifically, th- those episodes were reminding me that there were big bodies of something I could use. And I, I just had this feeling things were going to look good. And look what happened. Amazing.
3: And a little birdie who watched the supporting actress reels told me that yours was pretty darn standout. Oh,
1: fantastic. That's so generous and kind. You know, I have to say this. um, It is it is always been um, when you're nominated in a category, it's not. Uh, there's a phrase, I've said this before, that people use. It's, um, who am I up against? You know, who, okay, who, who else is in my category? Who am I up against? And it's never that with daytime. It may be in other mediums, I don't know, but I do know this. Every single person in the category, even before the prenoms, was deserving. They bring their A game every day. It is a, It is like combat duty. We get maybe one take now. Everything happens so fast. There's such a huge amount of work. Everybody shows up and and so it is not about at all who was the best it's about who's the favorite this year you know who who what what material struck you as a judge and how it ends that way but it's not about who's best because everybody is best everybody is deserving every actress and actor and and frankly creative team everything about daytime is such um, a community effort, a, a family uh, um, a, a situation where, we all want to every single day do our best, and it's hard under these circumstances to bring it. It's hard because of budget cuts and because of time and because of all the other elements that so seriously affect daytime. There used to be in the 80s, 13, 14 shows on the air, and now there are four. As you all well know, you know it, every, every moment is precious, so you have to bring your A-game for the, the first time and every time. And I feel like every woman in this category deserves to have a trophy. Just amazing work this year.
3: Mm -hmm. There really was some. Um, Now, what do you remember about your 1985
1: win? (laughs) That I walked up the stairs at the Waldorf Astoria on camera and walked right off my shoe. (laughs) (laughs) I was appalled. I was like 25 years old and I didn't know anything. And I walked right out of my shoe and I didn't know what to do. I said it was televised back then and so I had to go back down the two steps. I wasn't gonna limp all the way to <laughs> the So I, I went back down the two steps and I stepped back in my shoe. And my acting teacher, God bless her heart, said when I got home, she said, Oh, it was like your Cinderella moment and that's not how it felt at all. Uh, that's nice But that's though. what she said and was so sweet and I will never forget her for of redeeming my embarrassment of, and then later on in the episode, uh, in the Emmys that year, Kim Zimmer also walked out of hers, so she grabbed hers and threw them up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) So it was sort of our little uh, the shoeless theme.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. So 1985 was three years into your run. Uh, Let's let's talk about when you created the role of Tracy. Who did you audition for and with? For the
1: role? Well, let's. In those days, Mr. Bill Bell still lived in Chicago, and so I never met him until like six months later, six months after I had been playing the role. My audition was originally for the casting director, and then he brought me back the very next day for the producers, who were, in those days, Wes Kenny. Um, A daytime icon and Mr. Ed Scott, who remains one as well and still working across the hall at Bold and Beautiful. And so um, they were there for the callbacks, and then I got a screen test later that very day. And this all happened so quickly. And so, for the screen test, I did read scenes with Jerry Douglas, who played John Abbott. And um, Jerry Douglas came actually came to uh, my dressing. There were three or four other girls reading. They had apparently been looking and looking, and it was sort of narrowed down to the three of us. And um, I'm sure he ran lines with everyone, and I'm sure he helped, advised everyone. But what I remember most was him giving me all kinds of advice. Now this is what they want. Now don't do that. No, no. And he was hilariously fatherly. For The first minute I met him, he just, you know, he took all of us under his wing, and he just was, uh, he was a single dad who was raising two teenage kids all by himself, and he just, he just was committed to the idea that he was going to raise us two, and it was so much fun, and I remember choking over this line, I'm lucky to be your daughter, (laughs) he said, I'm so proud of you, Tracy, I was graduating from high school, I'm so proud of you, Tracy, and I said, I'm so lucky to be your daughter. <laughs> and this little like soprano voice, I'm so lucky to be your daughter will never we'll, it just it echoes in my mind. It echoes down the halls when I walk through CBS. <laughs> um, now how was the
3: role described to you? What did you know about Tracy when you were auditioning? I had,
1: when I came for the first audition I learned more about it over the next day. But when I came I didn't know. I was in a, I was working in a casting office as a secretary. And I had a deal with my bosses that I would not spend during the day, I wouldn't promote myself as an actor, but at night I would be allowed to be pursuing it any way I wanted to. And in that particular case, I was in a play at night and this agent I had never met that often submitted to my office for his clients for roles saw me in this play and, and called me at my office and said, hey, uh, this is completely unrelated, but I saw you in the play, blah, blah, good job. Uh, there's a rollover at CBS that I think you would be really right for, and uh, do you have an agent? You should check into this. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, would you like me to make a call? And I didn't have any idea. He said, there, he described her as a shy, insecure, youngest daughter and whatever. And, and the next, he so he called over there and set up an appointment. I had the audition for the um, casting director during my lunch hour the next day. And, um, and again, another 24 hours, and I'm screen testing. And I had to have my friend, my best friend come in and cover the phones. <laughs>
2: <So> <laughs> Good <could> friend. <laughs> Shout out to your friend.
1: Very much though. So. <laughs> And and um, and my I had to then, at the end of the week, in, in another 24 hours, they signed me to a contract, and I had to tell my bosses, um, I can work through the end of the week, but next week I start a contract role on a soap opera. so And they couldn't have been more happy for me. They had heard me sing and things like that. They were very lovely, supportive people. Um, we worked on fantastic shows in the 80s, like... Um, um let's see Cagney and Lacey and we did um we worked on um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy some sitcoms and um but Maddie Kane's favorite (laughs) is Heart to Heart and we we pass each other and we pass (laughs) each other in the hall and we say iconic lines back to each other (laughs) you should do that with John
3: McCook he appeared on the show
1: he did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and hilariously in uh, uh, Verne Watson, we ca- I cast Verne Watson in a heart to heart uh, in a I'm sorry, a Cagney and Lacey in those days. And she is my competition. No way. Uh, that is amazing. Yeah. So hopping back and forth uh, on either side of the camera has been sort of my speciality through uh, my career. Um, I, I work production jobs also on sitcoms, and I work in the, in the booth taking post-production notes. So I've, I've, been, I've hopped around a few times. So, you, you know, you, you came aboard YNR at
0: such an interesting, like, changing of the guards for it creatively, if you will, because the show was transitioning away from the Brookses and the Fosters, who were the original core families, mm-hmm. and they introduced the Abbots and the Williamses and the Newmans. Did mm-hmm. you have a sense at the time of being part of this change? Not at all.
1: Not at all. I knew that we were uh, going to be a new family, but I didn't know even what that meant. Honestly, the only soap opera I had ever watched uh, before I got a job on daytime was Dark Shadows. And that's not, I mean, that's... Yeah, a little, break, so much, a little you know, bit different. Summer, yeah, <laughs> summer, summer breaks, you know, in between school and stuff, I watched Dark Shadows. So I really didn't understand how the whole serial... Situation worked, and um, but the good news is I had loads of theater experience, and I learned quickly, and um, so so I sort of falling into it. I also thought I was only hired for three months. I, uh, originally, it was the first term of of the contract, and I I was told I was just there for the summer storyline. So I wasn't really thinking it was going to go on much past that, and here we are at 37 years plus. Incredible yeah
3: um, so what memories stand out to you from those early days of the Abbott family and working with Jerry and Eileen Davidson and Terry Lester, who played Jack at the time?
1: yes, hilarious uh Jerry Douglas running the show and and uh, making sure that we all behaved ourselves and <laughs> Terry Lester was a beautiful pianist and singer and he would often have little dinners about once a month we would have Abbott dinners at terry's house and he would play the piano and jerry would sing and i would sing and we would all bring stuff and we would you know drink champagne and it was an effort i think by both men by terry and jerry douglas to um to make sure that we developed a family relationship quickly and to make us all feel like you know to get to know each other personally as well to make us all feel like once we were at work and doing this it was important to both of them that this succeeded, and and it really did. I mean, we all really clicked. We all kind of looked like each other. We all kind of had a sibling dynamic, you know, spats amongst the siblings and Daddy trying to sort it all out and telling us, you know, go. You have to go make up. You're gonna have to apologize. <laughs> go make up. Mind your business. And and so it was. It was. Um. It was a magical time. And and uh, it was like I said, an effort made to um, benefit everybody. But a really smart move for both Terry and Jerry to make an investment in these young girls who. Um, Both of the gentlemen were seasoned, uh, Terry in daytime and Jerry in nighttime, Um, and and both Eileen and I, this was our first kind of big job. She'd done a movie. I did commercials. So this was our first um, sort of baptism by fire, and they both took us under their wings.
0: That's really amazing. Now, I I have to say, another highlight of the 1980s for me with your character is Tracy singing with Danny Romilotti on those amazing concerts. Do you have... Do you have uh,
1: memories of that that you can share? Well, very much so. Nothing specific, really, but very much so. And I, when they told me, this is like, this is like top secret information nobody knows. Um, When I was, uh, I sang in nightclubs and stuff when I was young before I was hired here. And one of the guys in the office, who I can't mention his name because he'll get in trouble, (laughs) um, um, but he had come to see me in a nightclub performance. I did a little cabaret show. And he said, do you have tape or something? And I said, well, uh, yeah, but in those days, yeah, I've got a cassette. (laughs) And it was mostly for jingle singing and things like that in commercials. But he took he took it and he snuck it into the overnight envelope to Chicago to Mr. Bell and nobody knew where it came from who put it in the envelope how it got there and all of a sudden this it's like what is this it says Beth Baitland And and I guess Bill stuck it in a cassette player and listened to me sing and started getting these ideas and If it hadn't been for that one little secret, weird, anonymous gesture, I don't know if those stories would have even happened. Amazing. That is incredible. Isn't that wild? (laughs) Yes.
3: Um, But that Tracy-Danny Lauren triangle was so major in that time. I was a big fan. Um, What was it like (laughs) to be a part of it and to work with Michael Damian and Tracy Bregman?
1: Well, you know, we're, we're all three still pals. Uh, Tracy and I have always been very, very close friends, but we even see Michael from time to time, and we chat with him online, and we keep track of each other. I went to the opening of his last movie, and um, so we're all kind of still, you know, carrying on because, the, like I said, those were magical days. They were the heyday of soaps. We were like little stars, and getting to do those concerts with all the extras and the special lighting and the costumes and the special effects and smoke. And and bands, I mean, musicians that are world-class performers would come and play in Danny's band. And, I mean, we were treated literally like royalty, like musical royalty, and go to Capitol Records and pre-record at Capitol Records in Hollywood, I mean, it was just dizzying—the the uh, the, uh, the magical time that was. Um, Tracy and I still occasionally talk about it. We'll never get over having to tap dance on television. She blames me, but again, <laughs> <laughs> the the those concerts every every summer we got, had the concerts in in the summer. They, I don't think they can do those any, you know, daytime doesn't have the budget or the time the the, the nurses ball, I think, is pretty much the closest thing um, that, they, that they sort of come to, to those big, giant production things. I mean, it was, like I said, a million times now, a magical, magical time. I'm so blessed.
0: Well, another magical moment uh, after Tracy's ill-fated affair with her college professor. We have to give a (laughs) shout out to Cricket for saving Tracy after she attempted suicide. Uh, But she found love with Brad Carlton, played by Don Diamant. What are your memories of that Tracy era and of working with Don?
1: Well, before, I want to tell you a really hilarious story, just brief, um, about about that actual storyline where Cricket calls 911, call 911. (laughs) When we got to work that morning, and we'd gotten the script the day day before, a few days before, and it said that Tracy sticks her head in in Danny's oven. There was no oven in the set. He had a hot plate. All he had was, like, Danny lived in this garage apartment, starving musician. He had, like, a hot plate on his counter. And I'm thinking ow, how oh, <laughs> am I going to stick that <laughs> and, and sure enough, we arrived for work that morning, and they're installing an oven in the Danny set. <laughs> so funny. I'll never forget. And all of us were just standing around, you know, chuckling. That Oh, here, oh, here it is. <laughs> um, anyway, but, but Don Diamant, oh, my gosh, so much fun. He, by the way, uh, texted me a congratulatory um, text and went on and on. He's so about being part of my proud legacy. Aww. He's so funny. And Don, what a what a, a a surprising man. Here's this cut up, this goofy guy in a red speedo <laughs> <laughs> and who knew that he would raise all, you know, his his brother's children, his sister's children, his adoptive children, his own children, this man with family at the core of his being, the biggest heart in the world, and the most generous friend. I am so grateful that, I mean, he, we hug in the hall every time we pass each other, and he's always checking in on me, and I leave him notes when I get to be in his dressing room. I hang notes on his little bulletin board with all of the pictures of his kids, and, and um. Oh, I have been the luckiest person alive to be able to work with some of the actors that have come and gone throughout my life. I am again. I just. I think the watchword for the day is gratitude, and um, I just am blown away that after almost four decades in a medium that has experienced so much change, uh, I'm I'm still allowed to come and do this and get paid to do something that completes me.
3: It's incredible. Not a lot of people can say that.
1: Uh, It's true. And I know how special it is. And I do not take one moment of it for granted.
3: Well, by the late 80s, there were some big casting changes in the Abbott family. Eileen left the show and Brenda Epperson took over as Ashley.
1: Terry left Mm -hmm. the show and
3: Peter Bergman took over as Jack. What Mm -hmm. were those changes like for you to weather?
1: Well, you know, I was out of the building for a lot of that, and so it was very interesting. There was other casting. Uh, Sherry Shattuck uh, came in and played Ashley for a while. So there have been a couple of rounds of changes like that, and um, it it is, the, I found... That every time there would be a cast change, I would get a flurry of coming back to work to be surrounding that new actor with familiar faces, and it, it must be so hard to take over a role that has already been established. I was so lucky to be able to sort of create this, and and you know, weather the years as Tracy the whole time. But it must be so difficult. I know that the fans have a hard time accepting it. Um, I know that it's difficult um, to to especially. To, do you want to put your own stamp on the role? You can't rush into that. You know, you're, you're kind of following along in somebody else's uh, legacy, and you have to honor the character but still honor yourself as an actor and an individual. So um, I was very happy to be around for all of those changes, but um, those were years that I was not really um, uh, involved in the story all that much. And so, again, as a support to changing a face, I I was lucky to and happy to be there, but but um, I think Eileen and I have spent the most time uh, playing playing sisters, and now um, uh, Peter Bergman has been Jack longer than Terry Lester was. So um, you know he he walked in and. I always joke about Peter being an active actor and an active person. He is not a person who sits back and lets things wash over him. He is a person who jumps up and moves forward, (laughs) and I love that about him, and this was no exception. He had left his role in New York, and his wife was pregnant with their first child. They decided to move and come all the way across the country, country, and the doors flew open for him, and he embraced them with uh, open arms. He Sat with, he is very good about um, developing relationships with the people he works with. He spends time, he talks to you, he comes, we run lines together, we sit, and we, he asks questions about what's happening with your life. He's a very, very engaged and involved co star, and he is just um, so lovely on so many levels. And um, I did work a little, I think, more with him than any of the other, other uh, replacement actors uh, for you know, their, their term. But um, so it was great. It's always great. And it's never uh, an actor's fault. I mean, they're, they're not ever taking a job away from someone, they're replacing someone who chose to leave or was asked to leave or whatever. And so, again, it's a difficult transition. And I think everybody has done a really good job.
0: All right, Beth, here's my million dollar question. Let's hear it. Does Tracy have a favorite sibling, do you think?
1: <gasps> it's a great question. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you going to plead the fifth? <laughs> <laughs> wow! No, I won't. I, I will say, we know our, we love our Tracy with the heart of gold, the moral compass and center of the heart of the Abbott family. I don't think Tracy lets herself have a favorite sibling. I really, I think if you were asking me in character analysis, honestly, that would be the answer. It, answering as Tracy. She won't let herself favor one over the other. Um, recently, there were scenes where Ashley, uh, you know, uh, confronts her and says, you know, you always, why aren't you, uh, why aren't you doing, you, you, you never confronted Jack about that. You never, it never occurred for you a sec, for a second to tell Jack to take the high road. Now, you're, this whole situation is, is, you know, blowing up in our faces, and you're telling me to take the high road again for the millionth time, Tracy? What, where were you? Why didn't you have my back? And, and." I, I made an effort to play stunned that she would feel that way because I, I – and crushed that my own sister would not see that this is all about keeping the peace and putting family first. It is not about – you know, for so for Tracy – family first and there's no favorite there are uh, um you know billy is a favorite because billy is a charming uh, you know sometimes no good sometimes disappointing always redeeming younger brother that she probably helped raise there's jack is a favorite he's the he's he's the man who needs her to bounce ideas off of and makes him human and not the boss and not the manipulator and not the schemer Ashley is a favorite. She's the dear sister who Tracy always looked up to and always felt less than, but who Tracy had to, I mean, it was a key to Tracy's development to get over her jealousies and competition with her sister. And So everybody's a favorite for Tracy, and I think it has to be that way.
3: What's well, the best of all worlds. Yeah. Um, now, for so many viewers, I think Tracy really resonates as the heart of the Abbott family. You know, what does it mean to you that her presence is so welcomed by and important to fans still?
1: You know, I'm so constantly amazed. I am flabbergasted that after all these years, every time I ha- have a return, there'll be a picture in the magazine and underneath it, it'll say, fan favorite, Beth Maitland returns us. <laughs> and, and I, I, I constantly... That just blows my mind that after all this time and in and out and ups and downs, that, that I do have this amazing group of supportive viewers who reach out to me on social media and regularly and fan mail and fan emails on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that, that, that embrace the idea of a character like that, a, a character who was not the normal, everyday, glamour, you know, fashion, gorgeous, thin uh, person you would normally see on TV. She's the girl next door. She's the one you can relate to, whether it's weight issues like Tracy's or whether it's your hair was too curly, your nose is too big, your ears stick out, you wore braces, something every single person faces as, you know, developing uh, into who they will be everybody has insecurities about something. And Tracy represented that for so many people. And for so many years now, she has continued to be not, she, she wins sometimes and she loses sometimes. And we've seen through Lauren and Tracy's relationship, the ups and downs of bullying. We've seen forgiveness, redemption. We've, we've seen all kinds of things. However, brief even. I mean, I, w- I wish that they had spent a little more time, in fact, on Tracy and uh, Lauren making up, but but um, it, it's a place we all need to go where Tracy is now. Everyone needs to face that life is full of loss, challenges, disappointments, and it's how... It, where your character is built is in how you deal with those things. And Tracy is an example for me in my life. I've, you know, had some big challenges, especially in the last few years. And, and I don't mean that I look to Tracy to tell me what to do, but I do mean this. It is a really beautiful and rare example in a soap opera or a continuing drama of any kind to have that character and have her not be present. I think she completes it for. Everyone, every character in Genoa City needs to look over and have someone to say, "Tracy probably can get through this. Tracy would know what to do. Tracy." And it used to be Catherine Chancellor, I think, when I when I was younger, and she was the matriarch of the show. It was always Catherine Chancellor. Everyone went to. She was again a sort of a moral compass. She's a person people could go to, no matter how confused or grief-stricken or afraid, they could go to Catherine and and, uh, bounce ideas off of her. That kind of a character is really the balance of daytime drama. And I'm so, again, grateful, the watchword of the day. <laughs> I'm so appreciative that after all these years, I'm still in that spot. I still get to um, weather storms with my co-stars, with my other, the other characters in Genoa City, my niece, my brother, my sister, my other brother, you know, my, my nephew. People get to still come to me and, and uh, to Tracy and bounce ideas off of her. And what do you think? What should I do? Can you help me? It's, it's a character that is required for balance.
3: Well, we could not agree more. And we look forward to many more fabulous moments with Tracy. Oh, and, thanks, you guys. And we, <laughs> we thank you so much for joining us today. And congratulations on the Emmy nomination. And we look forward to seeing you Emmy
1: night. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Mara. I appreciate it so much. And I'll, and I'll see you in May. Yes, you will. Indeed. Have a great day. day. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank
3: you so much for joining us. Thank you to Beth Maitland for being our guest. If you like this podcast, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.